In the beginning, the universe was created. This has made a lot of people very angry and has been widely regarded as a bad move. This show will attempt to find the good, the bad, and the weird, and convey them in a seriously irreverent way. Get ready, adventurer, and as always, we apologize for the inconvenience. Hi, I'm Steven. I'm Aaron. And I'm John. All right, we have Patrick Lively in the studio with us today. Patrick, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty fantastic. Awesome. Thank you uh, so much for coming. Yeah, on my way over here, I was telling some people what I was doing, and they're like, there's a podcast based out of Oklahoma City that gets that many listeners? And I was <laughs> like, yeah, it's real surprising. <laughs> it's, it's, it kind of is. <laughs> Who do you work for? I work for Anthem Brewing Company. Yes. Beer. That's right. Mm, we love beer. Anthem Brewing. Beyond Anthem, you are also, and this is more of the context, actually, I've recently met you. and Right. So I almost know you equally as the vice president of the CBAO. That's correct, yeah. So I'm the vice president of the Craft Brewers Association of Oklahoma, which is our, as an industry, our legislative arm. Or a legislative advocacy arm. Advocacy arm, because you guys yeah. just did State of the Brewing. State of the Brewing. State of the Brewing, which you guys, uh, you guys very generously yes. live broadcast on multiple formats. Yeah. I, I wasn't there, but I did get to watch it from home with my daughter. You very generously let us experiment on you for yes, that. Yes, true. So. That's true. Well, it was all an experiment. Anytime you do something <laughs> the first time. Well, first uh, of all, the setup that they did by making it look like an actual State of the Union, because I guess it was Rob that had set up the, yeah, the three yeah, Oklahoma yeah. flags on one side and the three U.S. flags on the other side and set up the chairs as if it was Got an the podium. actual. Yeah, with the podium. Yeah, yeah. So it was, uh, it was a very important event, it felt like. It was, and, you know... Um, in a former life, I, I was a bit of a political geek, and uh, it kind of kind of harkened back a little bit to that for me. And you know, the day after the actual State of the Union, right, is not a bad time to do it. Um, you know, but anytime you do something for the first time, there's no telling what's gonna happen. And it actually was incredibly successful. Now, you even had uh, yeah. Senator Bice there. Yeah, Stephanie yeah. Bice. So Senator Bice is an incredible leader uh, for us at the Capitol uh, and for our issues, uh, not only as uh, brewery, but as uh, what I would say, um, she's a beverage advocate. There you go. She's yeah, one yeah. of the advocate. one of the the uh, forefront political figures and advocating for. I I had not heard the bill referred to this yet until that day, but the chill bill, the chill bill, the yeah, chill bill. <laughs> try to get uh, yeah, you know, cold beer uh, available for purchase at the liquor store. High point beer. High point yeah, beer. High point beer. Yeah. yeah so it's, it's all about high point. the chill bill. Absolutely. As opposed to the thing that I learned, that other beer, which is non-intoxicating. Non-intoxicating, right? Yeah. Yeah, so just know that you can drink that stuff all you want. You'll never, yeah. never get intoxicated. I guess I never... I, that is the thing that I never really knew was being applied to the brewery locations because Anthem, right. and I believe Coop has also started to do this too, but you, you, actually, you guys actually have bars or serving stations within the brewery. Right. Um, so I went on, I think it was a Saturday afternoon. Right. Um, and you guys sell growlers, um, half growlers, things like that. Um, t-shirts. And I love t 
Well, that was the other thing I love. You guys have a sweet ass line of clothes. (laughs) And I know that Mint Apparel does some designing work for you. Oh, yeah. Awesome, awesome shirts and hoodies. John over at Mint uh, is incredible. And anybody who's looking uh, maybe doesn't have the t-shirt creative design in them, John is, uh, is incredible. You know, yeah. and we work with him kind of hand in hand, and he does a lot of the design work, and then we get to kind of come back in on the back end and say, well, I thought, "This is what we like." Well, we know. I that. thought they all kind of had a great little '80s vibe to them. Right. All the shirts, <laughs> which did. is kind of cool now, you know. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, ultimately, a brewery is about being culturally relevant. Like, I mean, we want people to come in and relate to our product and and these things. And I think that the in our culture right now, the '80s are kind of reinventing themselves in a fresh way yep. for a lot of people. So. I'm all right with that. Yeah, well, we've for got sure. the '80s flashback retro pub. Yeah, absolutely. Right there on Film Row with the old video games but, in it. Well, I was in there. I had you know they put a put a little bracelet on your arm right. and they, they check it because you get to sample each one of the beers that are on tap. Um, you guys had uh, had done a nitro Earlboro. That's right. You did a nitro Earlboro. It was yeah. it was. It's actually available smooth. at the Anchor Down right now. I think Anchor Down and the oh, Patriarch no are the only two places in the world that uh, carry ooh, that. That's awesome. Awesome. That gives me another reason to go up to well, the Patriarch. Then. As soon as I drank it, I said, all right, that's, I've got to get a growler of this. And I went up to buy a growler and I said, sorry, sorry you can't. Do can't. It. I said, Why not? And they said, because yeah. it's the high point one. It's got you know 5% more alcohol than the 3-2 stuff, so Sorry. You know, it's not like Anthem was telling me that. It's because we have a law in Oklahoma that says that breweries can't sell high point beer like that, and you also can't sell cold. Well, this is one of the points that was addressed at State of the Brunion, where yeah, here in Oklahoma, you can be a brewer, you can make your own product, but then you are not allowed to sell it. It has to be sold by a third high, party. You're not allowed to sell High Point. Right. And what should be said is that I'm not allowed to sell it directly to you. Directly, correct. I am allowed to sell it. I mean, there is yes. a pathway for me to make money. Right. Uh, right. But there's not a pathway for me to have you in my facility mm-hmm. and for you to sit down and to experience the uh, community or the overall experience of Anthem and also drink a beer. Right. Uh, like... That's really hard. Or a strong point beer is what we should say. And it gets really it's, convoluted, it's all strong point. and it's really hard like to convince people this or that. And like, there's obviously lots of negative thoughts about 3-2 beer, but like we make 3-2 beer that I think is pretty stellar. Uh, it's just weird. It's weird. It's very limiting as a business, and, uh, you know, I mean... I guess we're going to get heavy-handed for every person out there who says they're a small business but anti-alcohol. I don't quite get it. Yeah. Because... We're as small as you get. I got six employees, and yeah, right. <laughs> you know we're trying hard to put food on their tables. So, well, at State of the Brunion, there was another reference to um, single strength, like being a state where it's single strength. What did, what does that exactly mean? So it would mean there'd be no classification. Beer would be beer. Beer would be. So beer. right now we have three two beer, which is three two percent by weight. Uh, which this is going to get a little um, geeky. But let's do it. I yeah, like geeky. Three two by weight. Uh, the reason people don't measure things by weight anymore is because uh, weight is a varying scale, whereas volume is not. Volume is finite. So now people measure things by volume. So that's why if you pick up a beer or anywhere it says you know seven percent ABV mm-hmm. alcohol by volume. Uh, so three two by weight is something you know from the from post prohibition from the very first time we went wet. Lots of scientists have now come along and said. No, we don't measure things by weight because 
weight is a weird thing and it's well, yeah the density yeah. can have an effect on that so if your Absolutely. beer has more things in it more sugar or whatever beer, right sugar, it's a heavier product and the alcohol has yeah. to be reduced in that case. so uh three two by weight is actually converted to between uh four percent and four point three percent by volume which is how we all understand it right so like when we talk about three two beer we talk about it as four percent volume beer okay yeah well uh, which is the beer that um we also learned is not intoxicating <laughs> <laughs> yeah, according to the Oklahoma State Constitution. According to the Oklahoma State Constitution. Now, I promise That's why you, you can sit there and drink a 24-pack of Natty Light and be just yeah. fine. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Although, if you're driving down the road with a Natty Light open, <laughs> you're you, screwed. Yeah. <laughs> it's a different but, story. Yeah. So this is non-intoxicating. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And here's the, the Oklahoma State Constitution. Right. Yeah, which right. means technically <laughs> I can't get <laughs> driving <laughs> under the influence. We do not, not condone drinking and driving. No. But yeah. if you do, make sure you have a copy of the Oklahoma State Constitution Absolutely. with you, which I also do not condone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, no one should. You know, the Oklahoma State Constitution at one point was like the third largest in the world. Was it really? Yes. Yeah. Behind like two minor wow, states really? of Russia. In fact, uh, <laughs> Whoever was president at the time, Communist. I don't know who was president in 1907-ish or whenever they were writing the Constitution. Theodore Roosevelt. Let's go oh, with that. Oh, look at that. Is that wow. true? I'm pretty sure. Said, this thing's too damn long. Do people need to get yourself under control? And I don't think we did. No, we didn't. No. no. That's well, probably let's just start. We should do an episode where we pull out the state constitution <laughs> just and just start editing, just start marking out. Just, this no, this parts just get rid of this. Well, what's funny is that what's happened is that, you know, based on American law, you still need statutes. So the, a lot of stuff is written in both places. So like we have like duplicate law, but what, where that, where that really messes with you is anytime you want to change something, it's a lot harder to change the constitution right. than it is to change the statutes. You know, I've just, dawned on me is something that I find fascinating about all the small business people in Oklahoma because we've met a lot of them. We've recently been spending a lot of time with Ian and Haley from the pump. But anytime we start talking about things like state laws or city laws or regulations, it's the small business people who seem to be the ones who are most familiar with all of the little ins and outs of the laws and the regulations sure, and the things that be. govern them. And I think maybe the way you talk about it is it's the, the creative business person. The yeah. creative business person? Because... Uh, we all have to figure out a way to exist in the law and mm -hmm. to to exist in the law with a small amount of maybe capital startup or to exist in the law in a space where it's very confined and like be creative and give ourselves an edge up in the market. And yep. so, yeah, you pull out statutes and you start reading and you go, well, it doesn't say I can't do that. It doesn't say I can't do this. And you start, you know, you kind of start to try and ma manipulate some of the space between the law that essentially the has been afforded which, you by the laws that have been right, yeah. right which is pretty funny to me because i feel like a lot of our current legislature and people in control will say that oklahoma is very supportive of small business very pro-business very you know we're a state that you're supposed to come and start businesses and do these things but i hear the same thing hard. is that like i have yeah. i have to learn a way to navigate through this i stuff. think that's political speak well and right. it's a, it's yeah. a little yeah. ironic too because you often find, say, Republicans being proponents of small business, but at the same time, there's all these kind of strange regulations that can kind of inhibit growth sure. that they want in place. Yeah, and I, I think probably the hardest part of that is that, you know, I think Republicans are for tax cuts across the board, mm -hmm. uh, including small businesses, which is great for a small business. Exactly. But the problem is, is tax cuts 
tax cuts across the board limit infrastructure build and the right. small businesses really need the city to back them up infrastructurally and that catch 22 yeah it's a, it's kind of a catch 22 and and honestly i think that um tax cuts while can be great uh from a governing standpoint aren't always great and so it's kind of a weird deal like mm-hmm. but it's always a political score yeah right Absolutely. like a tax score is or a tax cut is always a political score it's always positive in the taxpayer's mind mm-hmm. which is the voter's mind which is kind of what happened with uh Oklahoma state income taxes, all the citizens have like $85 less income tax to pay now, but yeah, <laughs> nothing gets funded yeah, anymore. But we've have a, a several hundred dollar exactly. or several hundred million dollar budget shortfall, which where that's going to get taken out of is infrastructure, mm-hmm. right? It's going to take it out. You know, it really is going to get taken out of our ability, you know, like as a small business, I require the government to subsidize some things and it's That's where it's going to come from. Right. Well, we'll uh, so encourage people to buy your beer. And it seems to me out. like going back to the state of the Brunette kind of brought us to this, the whole point of this, what the CBAO is doing now, or maybe has been doing, I feel like this is really, that organization itself is kind of new, right? Like that. Yeah. So the CBAO, we, we actually, as a board can't decide when we were formed, <laughs> uh, which is a little strange, but we have two organizations. There, prob- in, there was probably beer involved. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, we have two organizations in the state. We have the Oklahoma craft brewers guild, which uh, by not a like a overt mistake, but was formed as a 501c3. Right. And a 501c3 is not allowed to advocate legislatively. And so as an industry, we were forced to form a second organization, which is the Craft Brewers Association of Oklahoma, which we've been talking about, uh, as a 501c6, which is a trade organization ah. that can advocate uh, legislatively. And so um, we did that kind of through the process of the guild and there was lots of conversation and yada, yada, yada. But yeah, we formed sometime this fall. <laughs> to get up to that, that right? how it sort of pushed you yeah. into politics? Well, and that was actually my next question is like the pulse, the sole purpose of this particular organization is to try to affect change in the, sure. in the legislation. Yeah. You know, and that's so, what the state of the Brunion was about, right? For was, sure. Like, yeah. Sort yeah, of and I mean, this, like you were doing, outlining some of the troubles you have, and then what you're kind of going to try to do to. Yeah, yeah. So that. I mean, as an industry, we have a, uh, you know, quite a few troubles. Uh, but legislatively, our troubles sort of center around um, our ability to access the market. Like I said, I think you know, for craft beer, a lot of our beers are above that three-two mm-hmm. limit, and. Uh, w- we want to be able to have greater access to market for those beers. Um, and what that looks like, we're not really sure. You know, we have existing partners that we don't want to be left out in the rain on the deal, like the retail stores. So like kind of how the liquor stores are right now. They're afraid for the chill bill to pass because they think it'll affect their business. Well, they're afraid for, for wine and beer to get in grocery stores exactly. for sure, yeah. you know. And uh, yeah, I mean, they're afraid that they'll be pushed out of business, right? Well, those guys are our current sponsors, so that, or our current partners. You know, they're they're the guys who sell a lot of our beer, and so I mean, we don't want to turn our backs on them, mm-hmm. right? At the same time, I think that uh, at the grocery store level and at the convenience store level, that offers a uh, a larger access to consumers. You know, well, and it's what consumers want. And right. I feel like I heard somebody; it might have even been Bice say something that like 
and absolutely jump in here if I'm wrong, but I feel like she said something like 80% of beer that's sold overall is low point in these stores. So yeah. in, in a sense, aren't the liquor stores missing out on a large customer base yeah, because so the playing field's not equal? Yeah, they'll get a huge, they'll get a huge amount of uh, product bump from those big beer well, like for instance, right now I can't walk into a liquor store and buy Bud Light. That's right. Right, but if this chill pill were to pass, would you be able to walk into a liquor store and buy Bud Light? You would, yes. So it so effectively I mean, just levels the playing yeah. field. It levels the playing field retail, at least. Yeah, for sure. Uh, now I don't think that I think that once that happens, I don't think that you know eighty five percent of the beer or ninety percent of the beer in the state's going to be Bud Light. Mm. I agree. Or well, even 3-2 beer. But that's better for everybody concerned because the based strong on point national beer, market shares. Strong point beer is pricier. It's more expensive. Right. So the retail, the liquor store is going to do more of that, more volume. Right. Yeah. Everybody's going to. Sure. I mean, and the 3-2 beer right now is so convenient. Right. That's, you right. know, and there are like, I mean, at last count, there are 400 plus liquor stores in the state. And right. there are 4,000 plus mm-hmm. convenience stores and grocery right. stores. Like, so basically their whole argument is we're afraid. I, I think, yeah, for sure. I mean, that's and completely I mean, fear-based. And that's hard, I mean, because they've had long-lasting businesses. Some of them are second, third-generation business, businesses. And I, I don't know what to say. I mean, I run a business that relies on them right now. Yeah. Uh, and they've been good partners to us. Well, I think kind of where you're going at from that standpoint is that you, you know, have a little bit of faith that these retailers are going to help you sell your product. I mean, let's... Come on, guys, have a little bit of faith and get on board with us that, th- sure. that this will actually probably be okay. Yeah. Like, give us some support and help and right. level this playing field, and you're going to be all right in the end. Is, yeah. is this the same bill that would allow a liquor store to sell mixers and accessories and things like that? So that's, or is that a different that's actually where I think the Retail Store Association has come back and been really strong, is now they're making demands for what they want, mm-hmm. and that would allow them to sell mixers and become more of... One-stop shops. Yeah, one-stop shops, right? Because it's ridiculous if I can go to Walmart (laughs) and buy a a fifth of Bacardi and a bottle of Coke, but I can't go to Joe Blow's liquor store and buy a fifth of Bacardi and a gallon of Coke. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's that's messed up. Yeah, you can't can't even buy a lime. Right. And you know what? I think what would be better. You can't buy a corkscrew. What would be better for the consumer in general, and I think this is where it will go, and, like, to some extent, this is all going to... Well, we'll get to that in a moment. But what would be better for the consumer is that uh, I think the liquor stores are going to be in, forced to be a little more specialized. It's not just about putting – it won't be just about putting products on their shelves because they're the only one that can mm-hmm. have it. Uh, it's going to be about – you know, and hopefully what they get out of this deal is the ability to have almost delicatessence. You know, you and can come in. You can buy wine. You can buy cheese. Uh, you can buy – you know I mean? Like, well, I and mean, that that's not uncommon in other parts of the country. Well, look at what happened here in the last, say, five or ten years with coffee. Like, you know, we had Dunkin' Donuts, Starbucks, stuff like that. And then it was the Elementals. It was the Roasters. It was the Clarities who then started to say, well, if coffee is going to be everywhere, we're going to tell you why – our coffee's better. We're Absolutely. gonna show you that you can have better coffee or different products. You mean or, compete? Or we're gonna have yeah. we're gonna have lunch or these food items as well yeah. or and all that's done is create a larger market overall. More shops have opened, more mm-hmm. coffee gets sold, more specialty roasters are opening. Right. Like Yeah. Well but so, so and, and they've created and their own I cultures. Think a, I think there's a word right. for this right. maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, it, free free market, market competition. Yeah. yeah. So right now we're not really allowing that to happen. 
I mean, it's happening. With, yeah, but with in general, breweries. but in I mean, general, you shouldn't talk about free market when you talk about alcohol, because we're one. Of the, we are the most heavily regulated okay. industry in the United States. Like, it's not free market. I don't have the free choice to compete in the way I like. Right. To. Well, let's like, so, right, yeah, to give an example of that. Like, you go to Pennsylvania. How does it work in Pennsylvania? You oh have to God, go if you want nightmare. beer in Pennsylvania. Yeah. You go to the beer distributor, but if you want like right. so, you can't even buy vodka and beer in the same place. And in Pennsylvania. everyone, yeah, for sure, I've been there. And everyone wants to talk about the Ask Nine laws in Oklahoma. Uh, and there are states that are better in Oklahoma, and that's not what I'm trying to say. Uh, but every state in this country, their liquor laws are uh, somewhat wonky mm-hmm. to Asinine. Like that's yeah. the scale they're on. Right, none of them <laughs> make sense. They're all kind of like weirdly worded, wonky to completely ask. Colorado's has been my favorite so far. I I left Colorado at the wrong time. I lived there for ten years, and the year after I left Colorado, they allowed liquor stores to be open on Sundays, and then they legalized pot. But <laughs> that was the first place that I knew of where yeah. liquor stores were allowed to be open on Sundays, and I think even federal holidays. But so what people in Oklahoma, everyone wants to talk about Colorado. Sure. Like as a place that's like this wonderful place to be as far as alcohol reform goes, Colorado is still a three-two state. They are, uh, and a lot of people don't want to talk about. It. And now co- the Colorado legislature has found a way to kind of circumvent that and make it non-relevant, uh, and to open up doors for local breweries because they've got they have a lot hundreds of them. Uh, and but at the end of the day, uh, there are a lot. Like if you go into a gas station in Colorado. They're going to have that beer for sale, is, yeah, and it's, it's going to be 3-2 Bud Light or 3-2 yep. Budweiser or 3-2 It's weird how a lot of these alcohol laws almost kind of feel like they're designed around what each state's definition of their own morality is. Like, this is our morality. I mean, morality is a huge part of, al- of alcohol reform or alcohol mm-hmm. laws. And, I mean, Senator Bice on, on Wednesday kind of spoke to that. Yeah. And it's unfortunate. I mean, those people are really passionate about what they believe. Yeah. Uh, it's also unfortunate that I don't believe the same thing they believe and that we have to learn and, to coexist. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, that's, that's the way it goes. Well, yeah. you guys announced something that I find utterly fascinating. And I think it's a result of all the breweries having to come together to fight for liquor law reform rather than just focus on competing in the marketplace. There's going to be a, a beer made by all of the breweries coming together? It's not all the breweries in the state, but it's all of our member breweries. All the member breweries. Of the, of the, Who are the, the members CBAO. of the CBAO? Uh, God bless. Uh, I'm going to get this wrong. Anthem, Can I guess? Mustang. Can yeah. I guess Anthem? Anthem. Coop? Coop. Mustang? Mm, no. no. Marshall? Maybe no, I'm Mustang. Marshall, Marshall for sure. Chalk? Black Mesa? Chalk. Prairie? Uh, not Black Mesa. Uh, 405? And then we have a couple breweries and a couple of breweries and planning, and I'm sure that I forgot someone. You say a couple of breweries and planning. Deal. I wish this picture would. Come, there's a picture that rotated through from that night that oh, I saw yeah, earlier. I wish it would come up. Like, it has all the guys there. And our studio is a TV that rotates photographs yeah, yeah, that have been yeah. tagged as ACMUCO and. Why that one's tagged? I don't, I don't know. Because <laughs> you were there. I think Rob, Stephen, yeah. probably. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it was either you or Rob. Rob probably. Yeah. Rob probably tagged you in it, Stephen, as ACMUCO. Yeah, but, um, no, you know, I mean, I think at the end of the day, we are uh, an organization of individual entities. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so different members in our community who we still, you know, get along with fairly well have chosen uh, not to participate 
and you know i mean a lot of it has to do with just like where you're at in your business and sure. how those things go okay that, that was what i was looking for you're going there's going to be a collaboration on yeah, a yeah. new beer and what is that beer going to be called <laughs> it's gonna be called collaboration for legislation there we go collaboration yeah. for legislation yeah so some nice rhyming going on there. i like what kind of beer is it going to be it's gonna be a pale ale uh-huh. yeah and it's gonna be uh we've talked a lot about this it's gonna be a three two beer right uh, which is going to allow all of us to sell it in our tap rooms. Nice. And we're actually brewing it tomorrow morning. Are you really? Oh, wow. Yeah. And at a Chalk or Krebs Brewing Company. Nice. Which is the home of Chalk. Yeah. Uh, they also brew quite a bit of Prairie Artisan Ales mm-hmm. there. Which for you out there will have been last week. So it will be brewing by the time you hear this. Yeah, yeah. So it'll be done. Well, it won't That's be exciting. done, but it'll be in process. Yeah. And uh, so tomorrow morning we're going to do that. And so our sales uh, of this going to support CBAO then? Yeah, so specifically in the, in the what Krebs Brewing Company has agreed to do is that um, we're all going to purchase the beer from Krebs Brewing Company mm-hmm. and uh, they're going to they're basically going to take the cost of the materials out of it, mm-hmm. donate the labor, uh, and then everything on top of that is going to go to the CBAO. Wow, very uh, cool. And then once, I, like say for instance, I receive it or another brewery receives it, uh, we will sell it in uh, our tap rooms for the retail markup, uh, and then uh, hopefully all of us will then take the the profit from that and donate it back in. Right on. Yeah. So now, where where is Anthem Brewery located? We're at uh, 908 Southwest Fourth Street, which is on Southwest Fourth between Class and Western. So you guys are kind of like almost due north of the what's going to be the Wheeler District, just kind of across yes, the river. Yes, that's directly right. We're a minute from the Wheeler District, and it but is, across the You'll be able to see the, the, the Ferris wheel once it goes up. Yeah, uh, well, my building faces north, okay. so I look at the Devon Tower. So yeah, if I turn around, I probably won't see the Wheeler. But yeah, if I go, if I well, walk a little ways, yeah. I can see it. And I, I visited that for the first time. It's really, it's kind of tucked away. I didn't even realize there was anything yeah. back there. And I went with a friend of mine, Pete, to uh, one of the tasting events that you guys have started to host. Tell us about these tasting events, because it also includes a brewery tour, right? Yeah, so... Um, Currently, right now, we are we are offering um, basically our hours are Monday through Saturday, or Monday through Friday, twelve to five, and Saturday one to five, and then on Saturdays we do tours as well. Now Monday to Friday we have we're making beer, so you can't. It's hard to do tours. Mm-hmm. It's difficult to bring a group of people through there while people are trying to work and, mm-hmm. and do what they're doing, um, and so you can come there uh, by law. We are allowed to sample people 12 ounces per person per day of Strong Point beer. Uh, and then we have uh, a lineup of 3-2 beers that you can buy growlers of. You can also sample those. Um, and hopefully, and I say hopefully very strongly, uh, in the next few days slash weeks, uh, we will be approved uh, to sell pints of 3-2. Excellent. And so you'd be able actually to come up and have more of a traditional bar tab, mm-hmm. drink a couple because of Because right now when you beers. get to drink up there, you just drink out of these little plastic little cups, cups. Yeah. Right. And now you can get a glass of beer. You can get a whole pint. Imagine that at a bar, a glass yeah. of beer. Yeah. <laughs> and that's actually a city thing, not a, that was not really? a state thing, yeah. Huh. 
uh, has more to do with those zoning <laughs> of our building than it does have to do with so the just to serve your allowance. own product in your own brewery you're having to follow state liquor laws city liquor laws well it's not city liquor laws it's, well kind of a city liquor laws it's a zoning thing so to a zoning to thing. serve alcohol in your building okay. you have to be has to have the correct zoning well, for okay. sale and on-site consumption wouldn't gotcha. it be easier if we just stopped making beer and didn't have it um <laughs> Like if we just easier made maybe. beer illegal, I don't know. And then food on my table. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, you know, I think what that, the answer to your question is, it's clearly worth fighting for. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's always being facetious. Yeah. No, uh, it's been pretty impressive. I mean, it kind of shows you like the the thing is, is that, you know, bureaucracy kills business. Like ultimately, like um, we had to go before the city council uh, to get our zoning reapproved. The city approved the city council approved that back in October, and it's taken us to this point. And I, I promise you, I believe we are day to day. It could happen tomorrow. Right. Uh, it's taken us to the middle of January to get through the bureaucracy. So then, what? let's change it to a bureaucracy. I was just say, did you just say <laughs> bureaucracy? Yeah, yeah. But we're gonna have a state of the union, then we need a bureaucracy. We need a bureaucracy. All this. Well, that's what's ironic about the bureaucracy of, of city ordinances and zoning is that. A lot of the people who sit on, you know, the, what do you call it? The city council are businessmen, businessmen and women. Sure. And like I said, and it they, wasn't and the they city council that, make that it blocked hard. anything. It's just the general city bureaucracy. Oh. And yes, they are in charge of that, but I think a lot of it's pretty entrenched. And yeah, I mean, absolutely. some of this stuff has been around a lot yeah, longer right. than our current council. And so it's like, like they, they didn't even really, there was no objection. There was nothing they looked at. They went, yes. Okay. Sweet. And passed it, right? Thanks, like, guys. Yeah. That's good. Yeah, I don't know right? why it's just a, a it's just this innate feeling in me that every time I talk about a city council, I just feel the need to start fighting and complaining without <laughs> even. Well, I think for the no city it's the just city kind of is a very feeling. cumbersome organization. Okay, you know it's hard. And to, I, we know great people who work for the city. Incredible, fantastic people, people. Right? and there there are people that are incredible at their jobs. Mm -hmm. uh, I sincerely hope that that's the majority of them, but there are some that are not incredible. At their I haven't jobs, yet so. personally worked with someone from the city who I didn't just immediately think of as a friend and this isn't just beer even like there was an incident around here lately where a mobile vent let's just call it a mobile food drink vendor came to a specific parking lot and set up shop and did their thing that they do all over the place and it wasn't until after the fact they found out well that parking lot was actually zoned differently right. than some of these other parking spaces and places you've been. So that actually required a different permit that you didn't get. So now you're Sir. you're stopped from doing that because and how you can't the hell do are you this. supposed to know that? Right. Uh. But then to get that permit, you have to get special permission from these people over here. And it was just like all they were trying to do was what they do all over the place and provide this awesome thing for people. But it's that same sort of thing. It's like, you just didn't know that property sure. was zoned at zoned C2 instead of C5 right. or whatever. And not also and, only provide uh, a certain or awesome product for people. Right. But also uh, provide a living for themselves so right. that they can pay taxes. Yeah, these particular people, and, I know them. And, like, they, you know they put I mean? their whole life yeah. into, this, into this vehicle. Like, I promise like, you, like, the four months that we could have been open if the city wasn't so cumbersome uh, is way more worth. It to them than this whole process that we've been through. Right. But the process is what it is, and you got to do what you got to do. Oh, by the way, when these businesses work and, and operate, they pay more taxes. They pay, have, you like, watched, have you watched right. on Netflix the documentary called High Profits? I was going to bring that about up. About the, yeah. the young couple who, like four years, well, now it's been like five years ago, 
were one of the first medical dispensaries to get a license to operate on the main street of Breckenridge. And Breckenridge exists only because of tourism. That's oh, for it. sure. And so they've crafted their main street to have a certain look and feel, and they limited the number of medical dispensaries that could be on it. And those medical dispensaries, once they opened, you know, they all kind of fought amongst each other, and eventually they realized only one of them could exist. And this young couple was kind of the standout of it, and they kept the business running, almost losing money, until recreational was passed. And then they just started making money hand Literally, over these fist. people were like raking they were, in. They were getting exhausted counting all this cash because, of course, because of banking laws and federal banking laws, they couldn't go deposit all this money. Um, they'd also started to bring in a large number of clientele that the city didn't really think was appropriate for Main Street. Sure. Undesirable. So the city eventually, <laughs> by the time you finish watching this, now this is a spoiler, but they eventually kick this couple off of Main Street and send them to a different area of town. But prior to getting kicked off of Main Street, they had to go hand these people who were kicking them off of Main Street $125,000 in taxes. Right, and they would actually, they would have to deliver it in cash like to the city. So the same people that were saying, get off of our street the next day, by law, they're required to go. I was like, well, here's $125,000 mm-hmm. in cash so we're not required to pay you guys because we're bringing in so much money from this business on your Main Street. And of course yeah. they accepted. That that weird. Nuts. It was a really, really <laughs> interesting lesson in civics to watch that documentary. It's strange. You know, so, I, I do think it's a, I, I do think that <clears throat> the city, there's no malintent from the city, but no. it's become convoluted, right? And at the end of the day, what happens is that uh, there are 11 like registered breweries in our state by the TTB, which is the federal regulating body. Uh, they don't get a whole lot of brewery questions, and so that backlogs things, and they don't quite know the answers to uh, them. And so like, they'll say, well, you need to do this, and so then we'll do that. And then they'll say, oh, well, we also learned that you need to do this, and it just drags on and on and on but what it's doing is holding up our business and what that's doing is holding up potential tax revenue Mm -hmm. to them and really what they're doing is cutting off their nose to save their face like i mean that's exactly what it is yeah i mean even i mean mean, that's a whole different thing but even my opinion at least tax law itself is that same kind of thing it's so complicated it almost if you just it feels like if anything else if you make this stuff easier you know, taxes, why, why not just make it, everybody pays the same percent, period, right. end of story, like, whatever, same thing, why don't we make this law easy, one one point beer, it's all the same, like, beer is beer, sure. make it easy, let's not but that's the, convolute the... Unfortunately, that is the negative side effect of compromise. Right. Right? Like, I mean, things are complicated because compromise isn't, I mean, it's, compromise is the name of democracy. You're right, it and is. to get anything done, you got to compromise, and unfortunately, it's going to be complicated. And you can read any piece of legislation mm-hmm. that's ever been passed to realize that real fast, because it's going to have different. Like in you know, at this point, compromise is a matter of the difference in two words. Yeah, you know, like I mean, that's just what happens. But right. overall, you guys are the CBAO. This whole push is very um, optimistic about. Oh, yeah, we're incredibly optimistic about how it's going to affect local breweries. And that you'll actually be able to enact some... Yes, yes. And and, and the legislature um, has been incredibly receptive to us. And here's something to point out, too, that was mentioned in the State of the Union, is that the the chill bill and this legislation that, that you guys are working on 
is done in lieu of having this go to the ballot? It's being done in lieu of having this go to a vote of the people? No. Uh, so I hope that that was not the understanding of everybody. Uh, <laughs> because, like I talked about before, uh, our Constitution is so big, so much of the language is, of our law is written in the Constitution. Uh, for there to be any effective uh, modernization of the alcohol mm-hmm. laws, uh, there will have to be a vote of the people. And the, the Constitution will have to be changed. Uh, and there are different groups pushing for different things. I think that the breweries are pushing for uh, less language in the Constitution. Uh, and so for a complete rewrite of our alcohol laws to be to direct attention to the statute. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that way, every like if there's in the future we want to change things, we don't have to have a vote of the people. So you're saying there will... that. We will be looking at a vote at some point in time in the future. If, they're gonna be, if there's going to be meaningful alcohol modernization in a state, then there will be a vote on the ballot, yes. And you're saying so, that that's one of the things we might see on the ballot is an approval of directing as, the Constitution yeah. towards the statutes. That is the, the goal right now. Okay. Because yeah. then by, by shifting it to the statutes, you're saying the people don't have to vote on statutes. So then effectively it could be more nimble It's in more the nimble, future. yeah. People to and make. it also means that, I mean, like, no one thinks that right now we're going to write the end-all, be-all of alcohol sure. legislation in this state. It means that if in, you know, 10, 15 years, someone says, hey, listen, this doesn't really work for us anymore. Right. Then it means the legislature, you know, in their elected capacity can do that. Can and, adjust. And- you know, and it's kind of, it's a, a bit of a different, and this is again a little politically wonky but uh it's a it's a different pace for oklahoma i think oklahoma was a popular state to begin with which lots of people associate populism with liberalism which is fine uh but we thought that the people should decide but the united states as a whole is a republic we rely on our representatives to make decisions for us and we don't make every decision outright and so this would be more of a push in that way okay Wow, that's really educational right there. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Sorry. I, I no, so you, you I mean, did mention really before good. that you were a little bit involved in politics. Yeah, and I, I also think that, just make beer well, for we, that. We, <laughs> well, I think it is. You're, you're, no, that was great information. That was awesome. Your education and your interest up until this point has, seems like it set you up to be a very level-headed beer brewer, Right. you know, set up to hopefully operate a great business in Oklahoma City someday. Sure. And this, I love uh, saying I that. hope to speak common, like to speak in... Uh, and I, this is not political speak, but like to speak in into into like common sense, ter- sense terms, right? This is why it makes sense. This is why it doesn't terms, make sense. Yeah. Layman's mm-hmm. terms, yeah. Um, but you sound knowledgeable, reasonable, calm. Yeah, yeah which is great. I would not which call myself total opposite a, of. Aaron. I would not call myself right. a fanatic. No, <laughs> a fanatic. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm uh, the opposite of everything I just said. Hey, well, so. <laughs> while I'm looking at these here real quick, um, in case some people out there don't know, let let's name off some of these well, that's beers. That's what I want to do. Let's shift gears. Anthem. Let's talk yeah. about beer craft. What are some of the beers let's that talk you about? Yeah, making yeah, yeah. beer. Well, that's uh. Well, well, I like talking about all of it, but you know, most people would say I like talking. So, <laughs> well, we you're go. in the right spot. Yeah. So I want to ask about Earlboro Stout because it's my favorite one. Sure. Do you? uh, So what? What is your position in regard to the crafting of beer at Anthem? Did you come on board after the beers had already been 
developed? No. So, uh, to some extent, yes, and to some extent, no. So, I've been on board at Anthem since October of 2014. Uh, Anthem has existed as a company since the fall of 2012, although um, Anthem was forced out of the market due to a weather incident. Say that tornado. 2013 yeah. tornado. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and so they did something that multiple breweries yeah. have dealt with. Yeah, yeah. so well, that, that facility was, actually was a co-opt facility. Yeah, because it wasn't just you guys that uh, was affected. Yeah, it was like, us. It was Black Mesa, yeah. Mustang, Must- and then a brewery that's now defunct called Redbud. Oh. Uh, and so... Um, that f- kind of forced us, and I wasn't with them at that s- this time, to um, procure our own site. And that site came online in January of 2014. Uh, oddly enough, uh, to be able to sell beer, you have to get federal label approval. And that was during the sequester. <laughs> and the label approver was not deemed necessary during the sequester. And so that uh, extended the process. And so uh, that pushes out of the market till about April of 2014. Uh, and so almost a whole year, we had no beer in the market. Wow. And then I came on in October of 2014. Uh, and I guess, as they say, the rest is history. Rest is history. Well, so well, let's just, let's, before you start asking really in-depth questions about one specific beer, um, you've got the, the Anthem Golden one. And then there's the Arjuna. I think those right. are the two that most people are really familiar the with. The Golden One, the Arjuna, and the Ouroboros. Well, Golden One was the original brand. It was the only thing available prior to the tornado of 2013. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, Arjuna and Ouroboros were introduced in July of 14. Ouroboros being the, the stout. Ouroboros being the stout, right. And while both those, all three of those are not my recipe, uh, like derived directly from me, uh, now that I have direct control over the general portfolio, all of them have been adjusted. Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly to, f- like, when you talk about a portfolio of beers, lots of times you don't want to sacrifice quality, but you want to adjust flavor so that everything fits together. So that there is a beer. What I genuinely hope is that no one can find or no one can't find be- one beer that they like. Out of my portfolio. Interesting. Right? I don't need everyone to like every beer. But I hope that I make one, one beer, beer that, you do like. that you do like. And that, that we can, like, as our goal, all of our beers span that spectrum of flavor, right? Hmm. Now, I mean, I think it's a pretty massive goal. And there are obviously plenty of people that walk and go, I hate all of your beer. Right? Like, <laughs> and, and that's just kind of what happens. Well, so I, don't another- know, I don't have any uh, any beer label where i've liked every style of beer that they made yeah. ever and that's absurd and that and i would say if that like if you could say i liked everything they made uh my next question would be like how much did you like it and i think that the answer would be is that not well kind of like middle to mediocre right like i didn't hate anything but you're just like everything was okay right like well, i gotta tell you i'm madly in love with Ouroboros. <laughs> well, <laughs> And honestly, I'm not saying, I think I even told you this the first time I met you, this isn't lip service, but like Golden One is like the only beer that I've actually latched onto as one I know I can buy and always drink. Like, sure. Well, and then you've great. also, and that's what we want. You've also tied into a, drinker, a, but, uh, to a little bit of pop culture 
in Oklahoma City because you've got the the Ogletoberfest. (laughs) This is the beer that you brewed for uh, the Lost Ogle. That's right, yeah. The local... uh, Now, what kind of of feedback have you received over this? Is is Patrick at the Lost Ogle giving you any feedback that he's received? No, so we we were pretty hand-in-hand on the deal. Uh, And obviously, I mean, I think the partnership was about reaching people. Mm-hmm. And he's got an incredible reach. Yes, he does. He goes, yeah, yeah uh, and so like that's a big plus for me. And then mm-hmm. I bring the brewing side, and you know, and it's funny. I mean, we always talk. I, I was with Patrick two nights ago, and he's Patrick Riley, mm-hmm. and yes. I'm Patrick Lively. It is. <laughs> like it becomes this kind of like weird running joke that no that's one thinks funny. is funny except for us. But I, yeah. yeah. That's funny. <laughs> uh, and uh, and so, but it's been great. You know, I I think the Lost Ogle. Uh, not only is it an incredibly reputable source, yeah. he does a really good job over there. They also are incredibly important to the culture of our city. I agree. You yeah. know, years ago, I would not have agreed, but yeah, yeah. I, I am completely on board. And here's the thing is he doesn't time. apologize for what they are, and that's important. <laughs> we, you know? we do. <laughs> that's what we're here yeah. for. <laughs> <laughs> no, and we don't really have anything to apologize for. That's, that's the irony. That's what I love about what I've loved about Patrick is kind of watching his business grow over the years and how he's kind of never apologized for anything, but always just been himself and been sure. this this standout creative figure in Oklahoma City who's never really allowed himself to be compromised by anything. Yeah. And that makes people hate him. That makes people love sure. him. That makes people change That's their minds about him. But he's always grown. He's it's always also changed. The he's intricate always made thing to better. his success. Yeah. Like I mean, that's the reason he's successful is they didn't compromise. You're it's exactly that. Right. Like I mean, like truly in today's world, can you think of one independent media source? No. no. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I mean, like no, he's that. Exact, yeah. Like yeah. that's. And I and I think that's brilliant. I mean, it's a lot of satire. For I mean, sure. I can, I can think of like maybe one more, but well, us, us. Oh yeah. I'm, <laughs> I mean, can you think of one besides yourself? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you know what I'm saying. Like, okay. I mean, then did you did you bring core punch at all? I didn't bring core punch. We've not know, made that. that. What is We've core not punch? made that. Uh, okay, so that sounds like a, that sounds like a weather related a, name for a for yeah. Yeah. Ode to Emily Sutton. Uh, Ode to Emily oh. Sutton. Yeah. Yeah, and actually was had nothing to do with the lost double, which is weird. Uh, yeah, because he, uh, loves, he loves Emily yeah, Sutton. Yeah, yeah. And uh, now uh, Emily is uh, an incredible sort of agent for our community, and, yeah. and she does quite a bit of fundraising. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that beer actually was just to help with a fundraiser of hers. Oh, uh, okay. And we kicked a, well, the lo- well, actually all of the profit back to her. Nice. Uh, for her fundraiser, I think, God, I'm, I may get this wrong, but I believe it was Go Mitch Go mm-hmm. was the fundraiser she was doing at the time. Well, that's really cool. I didn't realize it was a fundraiser. So that's all right. One last question: What is what was the advent of this packaging of beer in four packs? I think the four pack. <laughs> well, it's it's one of two things. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why. Like no. there's always been six packs, and now there's four packs. I think the four pack uh, came up because it's a sixteen ounce can. Ah. Uh. <clears throat> And so volumetrically, those are kind of equal. Four sixteen, four by sixteen, is just a tiny bit less than a six by twelve. Okay. In the craft world, though, the four by twelve, I think, comes about because uh, one, it keeps the price point lower uh, because you're you're only buying four beers, mm-hmm. but like at the same time, you may go into a liquor store going, "Well, I'm only going to spend ten dollars in beer and like these different things." Uh, I also think it's just about kind of 
it's about well i hope that everyone that walks into a liquor store buys all our beer <laughs> i hope instead of me buying one six pack they buy two four packs that's what actually that's the different thought beers that I just right? like right. it's like a, a variety then I have eight beers instead of six and it completely does away with the whole concept of running to the store and buying a sixer because now you just buy a Quattro. Right. Quattro. <laughs> you know, I also think yeah, there's, there's lots of marketing that goes into it, and some of it's just because you want to. Just because you want to. Right, sure. Just because you want no, to. I, and, say, I, I don't know what, it, what it's all yeah. about, but I, I like it better than a six-pack. I do. It's kind of. I think that, like, if you're contemplating the idea of drinking something by yourself, a four-pack is more yeah. manageable than a six-pack. Yeah. Yes, it is. Uh, Especially when you're at 8.5% you know? volume. Well, that's one of the things I miss about living in Colorado was that, you know, I could live in an apartment building and walk around the corner to a liquor store and go to the refrigerator section and I guess we called them bombers you know yeah. by the you know like a like a I large the bottle 22 of fat. ounce bottle is the bomber yeah, yeah the, the bottle of fat tire or the bottle of like arrogant bastard arrogant bastard from uh, what is that stone stone brewery um, I would love to be able to do that here just to go get yeah bottle of cold beer like that well let's get it changed yeah no, I mean, I think that uh, the alcohol the alcohol reform that's being proposed right now is a, a win-win for the consumer, 100%. I, I can't see a scenario where the consumer loses based on the things that are being talked about. Uh, other than that, I do think that some prices will go up, but you'll have greater access. Good. And if the consumer wins, then... People businesses are buying, win. businesses right. win, taxes win. Created. And most importantly, most importantly, if the consumer wins, legislators win. Right. Because right. consumers Cause are. Because they get real. Because we affect yeah, change. They get, yeah. There you go. Well, thank you for joining us, Patrick. Uh, Absolutely. Let us know how we can uh, find you online. Where are you on uh, your website? Yeah, yeah. So uh, we're Twitter at uh, com, which is uh, a little bit out of date because we're under new d- or new website development. So we've kind of we've been in the the transition uh, portion of that. Uh, but in the next couple of weeks, you'll see a new website from us, and then uh, more predominantly, if you want to interact with us on a you know, minutely basis, uh, Facebook Anthem Brewing. Uh, Twitter at Anthem Brewing, also Instagram at Anthem Brewing. What awesome. about the CBAO? The CBAO has no social media handles, <laughs> <laughs> which tells you how young we are. Uh, but the, and no website. Uh, but uh, feel free to reach out to me or uh, Zach Pritchard from Krebs Brewing Company. Where can uh, somebody go watch? I was going to say, if you want to rewatch the state of the Brunion, you can go to our site. Waftyshow.com slash watch. Um, it's still there. Eventually, we'll video is a new thing, so we didn't really have a place for it to live permanently, but we'll make a place for that stuff to live permanently, and you'll be able to go back and always see it there. Very and everyone, cool. go register to vote. Yes. And when it's time please. to vote, go vote. That was probably sure. the, your the vote m- actually counts. If you have a friend that tries to tell you your vote doesn't count, I give you permission to smash him in the face with a rock Well, because it does Well, count. that's condoning violence. We Shut did up. not tell you to sure. do that. Well, I guarantee everything you've ever complained about government was put forth by someone who was elected. By and someone and by someone who voted. And that was the thing, just so you know, I, I, I'm going to get these numbers wrong, but it was something like only 7,000 of the potential 50,000 voters right. voted in the last round of elections. So that's. No, yeah, that was in uh, Stephanie Bice's deal. In Stephanie Bice's deal. That's in her a district. small but percentage of 7,000. But that, she was also in a runoff. You know, I mean, right. the thing but is, I've you heard need. numbers like that from right. every 
Sure, ask sure. I think city the, council the, vote, to... the voting numbers in this country are depressing. Uh, but more importantly, if you're registered to vote, actually vote. Because that's that thing is like even if, better. Yeah. And because if you're eligible register. When you see a number that says, well, only 20% of registered voters voted. Well, that's a small number because only about half the country is actually registered right. to vote. Right. Like, right. I mean, that's, that's how logic follows. That's frightening. So yeah, if you're reg- if please register to vote and then once you're registered, please vote. Please. Uh, it matters. Or, yeah. It does matter. Or it stop, really does, I promise. Or stop <laughs> posting hateful things on Facebook. Right. Yes. Go. <laughs> go get a beer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In fact, I'm going to have another beer. All right. Thanks we'll so much. Yeah. Week. Thank you, guys. You've been listening to The Wafty Show with Stephen, Aaron, and John. As always, we need to thank Joshua Path for the use of our theme song, Cement Truck, off the album Between Heaven and Jonestown, recorded by the magnificent Kurt PR. Kurt's awesome! That is available on iTunes, CD Baby, and anywhere the internet can be found. Remember, as you go out to visit our local places and events, make sure you take care of those who take care of you. Tip your waiters, waitresses, bartenders, musicians, and artists. They're out there working hard for you. You can help us continue our urban adventures by going to our website, www.waftyshow.com, and clicking on Support Us, where you will find a variety of ways to contribute, including becoming a Wafty Knight, which will grant you access to our exclusive content. We come out with a new episode every Monday. You can find us on iTunes by searching We Apologize for the Inconvenience, where you can subscribe, rate, and comment. We're on soundcloud.com slash show. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Wafty Show, Facebook.com slash Wafty Show, and of course, www.waftyshow.com. We'll, we'll see, see you next week. week. Woo!